Welcome to 100 Days in Mexico. I'm Melanie. This is the story of how a 100-day solo road trip, surfing my way down the Pacific coast of Mexico, changed my life forever. Ready to go on a road trip? Strap in, let's do this. Episode 21, Breaking the Rules. Day four, the new food rules. One, eat when you are hungry. Two, eat what you are hungry for. Three, stop when you are full. It had been over a year since my last intentional vomiting episode, but I was still deeply suspicious of my hunger. It seemed not to matter how much I ate. I remained hungry. I couldn't imagine what would happen if my weight to my weight if I gave up all the food rules entirely. I went through periods of eating plenty, but I always stuck to, quote, healthy foods. And then I would go back into periods of mistrust and restriction. Assuming my body was too messed up to speak clearly, I would force myself to endure the hunger. By day four, eating on the road was already becoming challenging. Back home, I ate the same safe foods every day. Shopping at the grocery store took me less than eight minutes since I never ventured from the same shopping list. I cooked twice a week and prepped everything for days in advance. I declined every invitation to eat out because it would bring too much temptation to eat unsafe foods. Leaving my food safety zone was nerve-wracking. Everything in Mexico was fried in lard, covered in cheese, and wrapped in a tortilla. But I didn't eat grains, saturated fat, or dairy because everyone knows those foods are bad for you. I needed at least 100 grams of protein a day. A few measly pieces of chicken in my taco wasn't going to cut it. I would certainly lose muscle if I didn't get more protein. Maybe a little dairy would be okay. There is protein in dairy after all. Maybe Mexican dairy had fewer fewer hormones. Maybe the corn in the tortilla wasn't genetically modified. And it wouldn't be quite so bad if I just ate one or two. Maybe, oh my gosh, I could feel my thighs getting fatter with each forbidden bite. It wasn't about weight, it was about health. At least that's what I told myself. I was no longer a slave to weight, I just wanted to be healthy. At least that is the excuse the voice employed to keep me in my disease. After meeting Sean in Guadalajara, we set off to spend a few days surfing as we worked our way down the coast toward my final destination. With Sean by my side, things suddenly got much easier. Sean had lived for six months in Peru, and not only was he a savvy traveler, but also he spoke Spanish. Our first stop for real surfing was La Ticla. Sean was an experienced Northern California surfer, and my smallest board was bigger than his biggest. According to Sean, the waves looked fun at La Ticla. Only four days into the road trip, coming straight from the mellow and gentle waves of San Diego, the waves looked anything but fun to me. They looked like monsters waiting to bitch slap me should I annoy them with my pathetic attempt to slide down their face. It turned out we were both right. 
I watched Sean paddle out, effortlessly duck dive a set, and place himself at the peak without ever breathing hard. I grabbed my longboard and managed to get swept 400 yards down the beach before I ever made it past the white water. After a grueling 30-minute paddle battle, I finally made it to sit on my board near Sean. He could see I was already frustrated, and he felt badly for encouraging me to come out in conditions in which I was uncomfortable. Hooting me into the next medium-sized set wave, he attempted to cheer me up, but failed miserably. I didn't want anything to do with the wave, but he yelled for me to go, letting me have a wave that was rightfully belonging to him. I hated it when dudes did that to me. I went. I wiped out. I thought I might die. I surfaced and opened my mouth in a meager attempt to survive, but another wave stacked up. Down I went, back into the black ink. With another two set waves, the current pulled me hundreds of yards down the beach. I was exhausted already and knew the waves were above my skill level, but my ego would not admit defeat. Sheer determination fueled another 10-minute paddle battle before I made it back out into the back out into the lineup. In the meantime, I saw saw Sean get barreled and perfectly kick out of a head-high wave. I was thoroughly pissed at myself, but there was no reason he should get good waves while I couldn't. My anger fueled me long enough to get me pummeled two more times before pure exhaustion made me quit. I climbed the cobblestone and sat on the beach on a rock to catch my breath. Being a good friend, Sean rode his next wave in. I was crying when he reached me. He found it comical that a bad session would make me cry. It wasn't a bad session that made me cry. I was a bad surfer. I sucked at surfing. I sucked at life. I was a bad human. What a stupid, ignorant little bitch, Melanie. I was the most arrogant person ever for thinking I could surf in Mexico, and I was a complete fool for coming at all. Oh, shut up, stupid voice. Sean was famished after the session. I was constantly famished, surfing or not, and very suspicious of my hunger. My body translated pretty much every emotion into hunger. I had been beating my body into submission since 1998, when my butt made its first appearance. We found a lady selling tacos from a cart along the side of the road. We sat at one of the three plastic tables in the dirt. Our waiter, an eight-year-old boy, came over to take our order. Sean ordered three tacos and a beer. I wanted three tacos and a beer, too, but the unwritten food rules state that boys should eat more than girls. And beer had gluten, and gluten is bad. So I ordered two tacos and a bottle of water. The tacos were, of course, phenomenal. I savored each bite because the food rules say that you should eat more slowly if you're really hungry. I was still hungry after I washed down the second taco with a sip of water. Of course I was. I was always hungry. But I had eaten my meal, and the food rules now dictate that I should wait at least three hours before eating again. Sean commented how good the tacos were, waving the kid back over. Tres más tacos de carne y una carona más para mí y para ella. He questioned me with his face. What? I was dumbfounded. I understood his words, but their meaning bewildered me. He had just ordered three more tacos and another beer. He ordered seconds at a restaurant, and he expected me to do the same.
They fumbled for words, unsure of how to respond. Of course I wanted more food, but that broke the rules. We had just undergone undergone the same workout. Actually, my session was more strenuous than his, and we really did have about the same amount of muscle. And muscle requires more calories, I calculated in my mind. Uno más taco, por favor. I could justify one more. I sat in silence, savoring every last bit of the greasy steak in my taco, being sure to throw away the tortilla. Refined carbs are against the food rules. Pondering an insane culture in which people ordered seconds at a restaurant. Mind blown. What happened next befuddled me even further. Sean once again waved the kid over. I assumed he would ask for the check. Instead, I heard him say, Uno mas taco de pollo y una coca. Turning to me, he asked, You want anything else? How about a beer after all that surfing? You deserve it. My jaw dropped. My mind tried to process what had just happened. Not only had Sean ordered a seventh taco, but he ordered a Coke as well. Soda? With high fructose corn syrup? And now he was offering me a beer? I guess he interpreted my confused look as the need for a beer. He told the child to bring us another Corona, too. I searched for words. Beer? I can't drink beer. Beer has gluten and carbs. My food rules conflicted with my never-say-what-you-really-want-because-someone-might-be-hurt rule. Sean was buying me a beer, and it would be rude to turn down a gift. The deed was done. The beer was ordered. I was going to have to drink that beer. Ah, I know. I'll share it with him. Then I'm only sinning a little. Then I won't eat any more tonight, and I will surf on an empty stomach in the morning when the only fuel I have is stored fat. Okay, cool. I can enjoy the beer now without gaining weight. But then Sean suggested we grab some more beers for the cabana and enjoy the stars and waves with a six-pack. Something didn't add up. Sean was a man in his 40s, very fit, not fat at all. How could Sean eat seven tacos, drink soda and beer, and look like that? Maybe Sean was on to something? We went to the corner store, and I searched for the beer cooler while Sean looked for something we could eat in the morning. We met at the counter, me with a variety pack of Mexican beer, and Sean with... Gulp? A roll of cookies? For breakfast? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Cookies for breakfast. Gluten. And GMO sugar. And artificial ingredients. And no protein. For breakfast. I quickly scanned the store and found two bananas and an apple, adding them to the pile on the counter. Still no protein and way too much sugar, but at least better than cookies. The following morning, I woke before Sean. I was starving. I scarfed on an apple and a banana and went outside starting to wax the board I wanted to ride. The door cracked open. Whoa, do that inside, Chica. You're going to wake up the other surfers with that sound. I felt stupid and hungry. We surfed that morning, then drove to our next destination, Pasquale's. This stop is known by surfers for its big, heavy, barreling waves. We arrived in the evening just before sunset. 
The surface was glassy and the waves were living up to the reputation. I saw a female in the lineup. Anxiety gripped me. I had no excuse to stay on the beach if there were other girls out in the water. Sean examined the waves. He concluded that they looked fun, but he was already exhausted from the drive and from surfing that morning. He didn't want to push it, risking injury or illness. The idea that the waves would be good and we had time to surf, but our energy level would prevent us from surfing, shocked me almost as much as eating seven tacos at once. Listening to your body when it's tired Sean was a really good surfer. How had he achieved that level without forcing himself to surf every spare moment, no matter how he felt? In the morning, the waves were no good. Sean conceded that he slightly regretted not surfing the night before. See, I knew it. (laughs) We loaded the car and headed south for Rio Nexpa. Another day of getting beat down while Sean got barreled and feeling too guilty to eat enough while Sean ate like a king we finally arrived at my destination. Entering Troncones, we located the resort I would be working at. Sean helped me to unload all my stuff into my new home. It was twice the size of my San Diego apartment. It had an ocean view, a deck for doing yoga, and a gorgeous jacuzzi tub. The princess cave just got a serious upgrade. Next order of business, check out the waves. On our way down to the beach, we passed a beautiful pool with a swim-up bar. Several people were lounged there. Every one of them was over 60 and speaking English. A super nice, heavy-set woman introduced herself, offering to share a package of donuts with me. Her husband looked at me like she was crazy and said something about how I didn't look like the donut type. He proceeded to offer me a cigarette and a beer, apparently because I looked like the beer and cigarette type. Several other people waved the smoke away from their own cigarettes while we walked by. Bright white fat rolls glistening with sunscreen filled the lounge chairs. Glossy processed food wrappers were everywhere, shimmering like tiny waves in the sun. Where do you think all the other surfers are? I asked Sean. Um, maybe in the water, he replied hopefully. We rounded the pool to look out over the ocean. It was flat, like a lake. Maybe it's between sets. He was still trying to be optimistic. One guy sat motionless atop a longboard next to the point where the wave should have been. Other than him, the water was empty. We waited and watched, watched and waited. Eventually, a tiny ripple popped up. The man on the longboard paddled as hard as he could for 15 yards before finally standing up. The wave abruptly mushed out. The ride ended as soon as it started. Maybe the swell just isn't hitting here at the right angle, Sean suggested. He could clearly see I was crestfallen. We made our way back to my apartment, past the donut-eating, cigarette-smoking American retirees. I plopped down on the bed and Sean sat beside me. 
I had just rearranged my entire life to come and stay at the equivalent of Winter Haven, Florida, where my retired grandparents owned a trailer home to escape the Michigan winters. Sean finally broke the silence. You can't stay here. But I committed to it. They're planning on me. I felt trapped. Just the thought of bailing out on my commitment made me feel sick to my stomach with guilt and hunger. You were on a surf trip. You want to surf three times a day. You don't owe anything, anyone, anyone, anything, Melanie. You can still say no. The concept blew my mind. I could say no. I could change my mind. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to stay and suffer. I could end it. I wasn't trapped. I could even eat seven tacos. I sat in silence. You can't stay here, he repeated. He was right. I was going to be miserable. I was going to resent the people to whom I was supposed to be showing hospitality. If I didn't take care of myself first, I would end up causing more harm than good. And the whole point of the trip was to take care of myself. We made plans to take a boat the next morning to a secret surf location. There was a fast zippy left, which thrilled Sean, and a slow mushy right, perfect for me. We both had epic sessions. Energized by the session, I knew what I had to do. I still felt overwhelmed with guilt when I talked to the manager the next morning. I informed him I would not be staying. But as soon as it was over, I lit up with energy at the release of the emotional weight. I dropped off Sean at the airport that afternoon. I was now on my own, with absolutely no plan, no income, no companion, and unable to speak the language. I cried when he left, but I quickly staunched my tears, stopping at a restaurant to eat as much as I wanted, unworried about what anyone thought. I hope you liked the episode. If you did, I have a behind-the-scenes video commentary available on my website, 100daysinmexico.com. I also have all kinds of writing from my current adventures. I'd love to share this stuff with you. So if you head on over to 100daysinmexico.com, you can sign up to become an insider and read all of the behind the scenes content and all of the current stories, the dramas, and the adventure that I'm experiencing while I travel around the world, trying to improve my surfing, trying to improve my life. Until next time.